My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. I am Iron Man. What is going on, y'all? It is Eric Italiano, co-host of the Post Credit Podcast. Now, this is twice in a week where we are throwing y'all a curveball because, once again, it is my voice opening the show. And that is because today we have another special interview-only episode. We are speaking with the star of Harder They Fall, Jonathan Majors, who you also may know from a few things like Loki and soon to be Ant-Man 3, and also the director of said film, James Samuel. I've seen it. It's fantastic. I hope y'all check it out when it hits Netflix on November 3rd. And otherwise, we will talk to y'all this Friday when we are recapping and reviewing Eternals and speaking to Gilgamesh actor Don Lee. All right, y'all. Oh, and if you haven't yet, rate, review, subscribe, do all that shit. All right. Talk Friday. Peace. How are you today, brother? Well, strong, man. Yeah, feeling good. So congrats on on the film. I had an absolute blast with it. I had a blast with your character specifically. For you, Jonathan, what do Westerns mean to you? Did you grow up watching them? Is there one in particular that you love? Or is this simply you trying to diversify the type of roles that you take on, which I think has been a real strength of your career so far? Um, I love movies. And uh, I feel that some of the some of the most um, profound movies for me um, were westerns. You know, some of the most entertaining films uh, growing up uh, were westerns. Uh, for instance, um, uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. You know, love that film. Um, and also, uh, what else would I say? Uh, I'm sorry. Just a second. Whoa. Hey James, I'm gonna be talking to you in about an hour, so oh, bro, I didn't want to disturb, I couldn't resist. No, nah, you're good, man. It's good to see you both. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm next door. Okay, okay. Yeah, you just, you just gotta, I, I should have told you. All right, all right, all right. Uh, sorry, my brother. Nah, you're good, man. Um, you were on Butch Cassidy. Yeah, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Um, love, love, love that film. One of my favorite films. Um, the Lonesome Dove series is also something I really, really uh, enjoyed. And Gunsmoke. Just the opening mm. of Gunsmoke. Bang, 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 bang. Um, that was always a... <laughs> That's kind of in my head from my uh, from my grandfather, and and my mother, uh, her favorite uh, picture growing up was um, Little House on the Prairie. Mm. So we used to watch those dramas in the house all the time. Um, so they kind of kind of seeked them seeked themselves into my um, conscience for uh, what it was that storytelling was. Um, yeah. That actually leads me into my next point, because given that Westerns are such an iconic staple of film, I'm curious what the process of adding your own layers and quirks to an archetype that has such a rich and established history. And how did you do that for your role? I mean, you, you nailed it there because you think Western and what do you think? Right. Well, we just said Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. Right. So you got those two cats, um, Paul Newman and Robert Redford. 
you know, playing those iconic duo, right? And then you have, of course, you know, Clint Eastwood, yeah, and John yeah. Wayne. And those four gentlemen, as handsome and dangerous as they are, all have one thing in common that I, I do not have uh, 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 in common with them, you know? Um, and so, I mean, the elephant in the room is that, okay, here's a black Western hero, right? Which we've not seen before. Um, so at the same time, like with any art, you know, there is a, there's a standard, right? And so you first must understand the standard. And so one of the things I understand about, I feel for, for my process is what do these, let's just take these four individuals, for instance, what do these four characters have in common, right? And that is, there's a certain amount of presence with them. There's a certain amount of um, accoutrement with them, right? The hat, uh. horse, you know, all these things. And the thing that makes those four men, uh, those four characters distinct or the fact, or is the, or is in the observation of how they use those things, right? Um, in the stories they tell. So in that, my biggest thing was, okay, one of the, one of the things was, okay, we got, we got my horse, we got the hat, we got the poncho, we got the guns. What makes them different? Mm. Right? Well, one, truth be told, I'm a lot younger than those guys, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so there's that. But I still right? think the, you have a real weight to your character still carries a very world weary weight yeah. to him. No, I agree with that. But but there's also something that happens with being a younger man. Right. right. That your aggression is a little different, isn't it? Mm. Right. Your risk taking is a little different. You know, you're yeah. willing, you know, um, and there's a certain confidence. Right. Because oh, that yeah. has made his way from slavery. Right. The, the 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 autobiographic info is that Nat Love was born a slave, right, mm. in Tennessee, and then journeyed all the way to the West, you know, in, in, in the elements of our story, right? What type of individual is that? Right. Mm. And so one of the big things I was focused on is the the level of stakes, right, and the level of risks that Nat was willing to take. And on a scale from one to ten, he was pretty much at a ten. Right. Yeah. He was willing to do anything right to exact revenge on what it is that was done to him, because what was done to him was so uh, violating. Monstrous. Um, yeah. Where does a uh, badass antihero, romantic, slick gunslinger rank in terms of the types of parts that an actor can take on? And you do you pursue specific types of roles like this or do you just sort of react to what comes your way? And if so, what's less on that sort of types of roles that you hope to take on? You said what's next on that on the on that? Well, if yeah. you're if you're consciously planning what type of roles that you want to take right. on, do you have like a, a roadmap or? No, well, I will say this: that it's quite flattering that you you know you say all those things about Nat. You know what I mean? Uh, oh, dude, I thought you were so cool. I, I just thought you were so <laughs> slick, man. Just such a dope character. Like I imagine being a gunslinger that is also romantic and cool as hell is probably yeah. as good as it gets for acting, you know? Yeah, it's cool, man, because really it's like, it's the constant gardener, you know, theory, where it's like you just keep working on these small things. And as the film, because you don't know, you don't know he's going to have that romantic side to him at the beginning in the church, right? Mm. You don't know that. You mm. also don't know that he can ride a horse like he can ride it, right? Mm. So it's, it's, mor it's morsels, right? It's like, okay, this is who he is at this moment. This is who he is at this moment. And then when it's all said and done, two hours and 10 minutes later, you go, 
how, how does this man, how, how does this happen? You know? And I asked the same question, you know, like I go, how, you know, because to me, my only objective in that's kind of outside of, of a script is, is to look at everybody individually. And I believe that you have to find what's peculiar about someone. Right. And, and, and highlight that. Their quirks. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and and if you, and if he's confident in that, in the quirks or in the peculiarity of himself, it is just natural. Right. It's just natural. Right. The peacock doesn't feel more whatever, because he can do the, he can do the tail thing. You know what I mean? It's just what a peacock does. It's us that goes, dog, that is such a cool bird. Right. (laughs) He's just doing him. Right. You know what I mean? And so that love is just doing that love. You yeah. Know? Plus, um, with that name, you can't help but be cool as hell. Um, you know what I mean? Let Let me ask you: How do you get in the zone for emotional scenes, which are some of my favorite parts of the films, like the one with Zazie or with Idris? And how does that compare for getting into the scene like you did for Loki? Is it the same process? Because they're different emotional beats, but they're sort of the big climax. So, how do you get yourself in the zone for varying types of payoff moments? Uh, there is no zone. Mm. You are you are the zone. <laughs> I, uh, I I do. One of the things that's um, imperative for me is it's funny. James came in here because James says, you know, um, like I never showed up to New Mexico. You know, Nat Love showed up to New Mexico. Mm. You know where we shot the film, and there's a certain you know process that comes and just for myself, right? I, I just want to do a good job, you know, and, and one of the best things for me is to, I know myself uh, to a degree, I'm still learning, but I know myself and I know that it's best for me not to act, you know, it's best for and me just be, not. yeah, it will try my best to do that. And, and what I do is just kind of, you just take it on, you know, it's uncomfortable at first, you just take it on, you know, I'm just gonna wear cowboy boots, you know, <laughs> for the next eight months, I'm, I'm gonna smoke for the next eight months, you surrender to it. Yeah, you know, um, and I'm gonna think, and I'm gonna let 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 that hurt. Examine that hurt of what it would be like for my parents to leave and be taken from me. Mm. I'm just gonna sit with that, you know, and continue to sit with that. And you do your work, and you look at the you know psychoanalysis of all of it, uh, but you just try to really believe it. And the thing is, you'll believe it if there's nothing else in the way that tells you otherwise, right? So you just kind of begin to push things, subtraction, you begin to push things out of your, out of the way that, that distract from that, right? That distract from, you know, the aforementioned he who remains, right? And then it's all about Idris Elba. It's all about Rufus Buck. If I know the thing that hurt me that much, his name is Rufus Buck, and he looks like, you know, one of the most sexiest men alive. Right, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. Even back then in the wild, wild west, I'm like, damn. When you see that person, you will feel those things, right? You know what I mean? And then, and then you just try your best to get out of the way, and you're lucky enough to have, you know, a director and a a Mihai, you know, are. So I think from what I'm hearing from you is the zone is not a place to reach; it's a state of being. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's an approach. Yeah. I like that. Um, like many movies these days, this film teases a sequel. Uh, given the star power of this movie, the second one would have to come just as correct. Are there any ideas of who you would hope to work with and uh, the harder they fall 
er part two well i would say the first person we would have to work with you know really look it's like this i mean the relationship that was established i mean as you saw james just came in you know Mm. um between the team that built this thing you know that being uh james samuel uh james lasseter uh Tindo Nagenda at uh, Netflix, you know, that family, um, Sean Carter. Um, and because of n- the nature of Nat in the, in the film, you know, myself, you know, as, as the protagonist of this particular world, um, we would just have to get busy again, you know, and figure out what, what, uh, what other information, what other thing we can explore, but it would, it would have to come correct. And uh, mm. if anybody could do it, I think it would be, you know, that that core yeah definitely I, I, a lot of films these days as i said tease sequels but this one felt natural and right which is a hard thing to do i've only got a f- sorry uh, go ahead man and it's dope because it's original content mm, absolutely absolutely now i i've only got a few minutes left so i just want to swing over to your newly burgeoning marvel career now every time i talk to somebody who works in marvel i always feel sort of bad because i can only imagine the amount of questions that they get but that said, it is part of my job. So I do want to ask you, what are you hoping that Kang brings to the MCU that hasn't been done before? And what about that character is appealing to you as an actor? Well, what's appealing to me about the character is that I get to work. You know, I get to, um, I get to work, you know, which means I get to explore, um, I get to explore my own humanity and kind of put that on display for you know, because it's Marvel, a massive audience, right? And that's that's really cool for me. You know, that's kind of what when I was sitting in North Carolina or New Haven, you know, in drama school, it's like what you always wanted, you know, um, in a way. And what I what I feel Kang brings to um, uh, the MCU is, you know, something for something for our for our heroes to go up against. You know? <laughs> um, and that's cool because you you learn more about it. There's conflict, you know. And I get to be uh, a part of that. So, yeah, I, mean, I apologize. I mean, no, no, no. By all means, man, I've got to fish a bit. I got to try. Let yeah. me ask you one final one related to Marvel. That's not quite as deep. Did you feel your brain explode when they were explaining all the multiverse stuff to you? And do you remember the exact moment that you got the call that you had been cast as a major MCU villain? And what was that like for you? Well, that was beautiful, and I can speak to that. I was in New Mexico. We were shooting Harder They Fall, and I was in New Mexico. Um, uh, I think actually, actually smoking a cigarette or something. I think <laughs> uh, perfect timing. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, and my and my team called, and I was with a very dear friend of mine, and and we were just kind of sitting, and I just had to walk off. I was like, "What? They want to do what?" And um, it, the thing about it is, like, initially it's just a job, right? Mm. I was like, okay, cool. And then as it began to unfold, it became, you know, it, it became what it was, you know, like, and who knows what it would be, you know? Yeah, I hear you. I think I speak for all fans, not only in terms of Kang, but in terms of your career as a whole. I've been having a thrill watching you work. Your early filmography is incredible. I think you're an immense talent, sir. Congratulations on the film. It is awesome. You are awesome in it. The Heart of They Fall hits Netflix on November 3rd. Jonathan Majors, thank you so much, sir. Oh, peace, my brother. That's so sweet. Thank you, man. Take care, boss. Oh, yeah. oh, See yeah. you soon, I hope.
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. James, how are you today, sir? Peace, Eric Italiano. Yes. Bro Bible. What's cracking? Hey. Uh, love that jacket, man. Fantastic look. Uh, look, man, the coat is just like your film. Fun as hell. I loved it. It was such a blast. Congrats on it. What a way to make your feature debut. I guess I want to start with the genre itself. What do Westerns mean to you? Did you grow up with them in your life? Is there one in particular that you hold close to your heart? And is there a particular reason that you chose this genre to make your debut in? I mean, you know, I grew up watching Westerns. I grew up watching all manner of films and I love every single genre of film. But I suppose Westerns was the genre that was always on TV, like the TV soaps, the, you know, they were just always on TV in the background. And then the movies were just always awesome. I, I could look at these things and go, wow, I actually, th- that exists to me. Like, like, I'd like to know more about that time and, time and place. I just, I just love them. Um, you know, but obviously the, the scope that we saw the Westerns through was always narrow, right? Either side of the Westerns, either side of those storylines was blurred. And it was just always about like a male-centric, um, male-centric story and, you know, high, from high noon to Shane and everything in between. Um, whereas they wouldn't necessarily show that much layers to the female characters. They were always um, subservient or weakened by something or another. Uh, the, and people of color were virtually non-existent. Native Americans, you know, just a stereotypical view that they'll show um, these people. We'll see them a lot of times. They'll show us these um, images of these other people and races as less than human. So just, you know, the older I got, um, I really just would want to find out more about these stories and these the other people that existed. And I'll find all of these rich, amazing characters and uh, like Rufus Buck, Nat Love, Bill Pickett. And so I always knew when I do my debut film, it was going to be a Western featuring all of those characters. It's like a swag out on a universe and let them know that, look, these people existed. Stop it now. Yeah. And I love the way that you title carded it the way that you did. Not too much, not too wordy facts. And it sort of set the tone for the entire story. Yeah. Yeah. Just to let, just to let you know, you know, from the beginning that these people actually existed while the story is fictional, it's not a biopic in any shape, way, or form. They didn't look necessarily like these people at different ages. These people didn't know each other, but they actually existed. Mm. So you watch this movie, really be entertained, and then go off and learn about these. Um, these. Hey, man, if Tarantino can do it, why can't you, huh? Uh, I think I think that your your desire to change the stereotypes, particularly of women, comes through. I'll say this: other than that, love because Jonathan is just incredible. Uh, Stagecoach Mary was my favorite character. So oh, I, I, I definitely think you achieved your goal in that sense. Um, 
I know that these are real people, but did you write the characters thinking of specific actors to play them? And for the fan in you, what was it like seeing them brought to life by such an incredible group? Was there a moment for you where you were just like, holy shit, man? (laughs) Absolutely. There's two moments. Um, One, when uh, there's a group shot where all of the actors, you see it in the first teaser and you see it in the, in the, opening credits, the group shot of Nat Love and his gang, and they're all standing together. When I shot that um, that uh, scene, I walked to the edge of the cliff and cried. <laughs> and the shot when uh, Rufus Buck, Trudy Smith, is Rufus Buck is on his horse, and he's flanked on his left and right by Trudy Smith and Cherokee Bill, and they're all on their horses, riding. There's Idris Elba, Regina King, and Keith Stanfield, they're riding into redwood right and they're about to take their take their town back and while while i was filming i played dennis brown's the promised land it's actually in the movie but i played it over the town over the speakers while we were filming i did that pretty much for the whole shoot and when they when they did that i was gobsmacked like it's real like the heart of the fall is no longer in my head it's real it's a real it's a real thing yeah it's almost like I keep it mad confident and keep it mad fun. And my overall attitude is uh, like uh, Ninja Man, the dancehall artist. Murder them, murder them. Tell you all of them, we are murder them. But at that point, I was like... (sighs) Yeah, I'm always fascinated by the moments that artists realize they're doing something genuinely awesome. And because I, I like, you know, we all remember those moments in our lives. So I could only imagine seeing your art come to life, having that just wash over you. is probably an incredible feeling. So congrats on that, man. That's probably amazing. So much. Um, let me ask you about the man who played Rufus Buck. Idris Elba was an incredible villain. Hollywood, we need to cast this man as a villain more because, my God, he was menacing. It's still tragic. What do you think are the important elements of creating a compelling villain and what did he bring to the role that no one else could have? I think the, the importance of creating a, a compelling villain for me is to ground them and humanize them in, um, in the question why, right? Because villains exist in, in cinema, but Darth Vader became even more Darth Vader when you learned he was Luke's father, mm. right? Like any, any great villain, Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula, as scary as he is, but when you realize he's just a man in love, he wants his woman, Mina. He, he just wants, in, in Francis Ford Coppola's version, he just wants his Winona Ryder. Just let him have his Winona Ryder. Yeah. Makes Dracula even, even doper. It's when you give them gradients and you and you um, you um, layer them. But what I think is 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 amazing about Idris's performance in in um, the harder they fall is the exploration of um, the question why. And in every scene, I mean, Idris was just amazing. The man is a genius. In every single scene, he would say, oh, "A boss." And he'd be in, in full Rufus Buck. Is there a world in which, and he'll have this little change that would literally change the entire emotional environment of the scene. He would just do these little mm. tweaks where you're 
like wow and you and and he really wanted to explore um uh the reason why rufus buck is the way is the way he is so it's colored you look at it through one lens and you're okay he's a he's a villain and he's the villain of the tale you look at it through another lens you're is he a villain and you question is he is he a you know is he a uh, a villain so idris was almost like the he was he was the perfect um rufus buck for me he was a perfect person to to play that and explore all of those tropes for me plus i also think it's a little bit of as you said like again this is not my realm but his actions are common in westerns in general you know but largely people would see that guy oh he's a badass but idris just adds this sort of tragicness to him of course that that has to do with the plot itself as well but just something about him blew me away to which you brought up a point that i wanted to touch on one of my favorite scenes in the film was actually the quiet moment when they when they first get to town that him and uh regina king share you know two titanic performers in probably the only quiet moment that they share in the film yeah as a first time director do you have to like snap yourself out of it and be like oh i'm leading this ship right now or or, or does the fan and you take over and the how do you broach two people who i'm sure you have amazing respect for and give them your notes you know it's interesting because the fan in me takes over right i always forget to yell cut <laughs> i'm watching people eat eat uh rice and fish and chicken and all that for lunch i want popcorn i'm watching it's a it's a wicked movie. I always forget to yell, <laughs> to yell, uh, cut. And I, you know, everyone on scene is a, everyone on set is a, is a, is a filmmaker. Every single person, from the people working in crafty, giving you your drinks and stuff, to to the uh, six feet uh, people keeping you six feet apart. The COVID police, I call them. Of right? course, of course. All of the actors to all of the stunties to everyone's a filmmaker. So for me, I am one of. 500 people with the same mission at hand. I never think of myself as like the captain of a, of a, um, of a ship, but I lead by, you know, people say lead by example. Mm -hmm. I don't. I lead by <laughs> excitement. I'm always excited. So I'm like, I feel that. I, I try to do the same thing. Yeah. I'm like, hard, hard. Okay. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. Okay. Okay. Like I'm just, super excited all all the time so i've never um and also you know when they're on set the professionals an academy award winner regina king and idris elba when they're on set regina king and idris elba are not there it's rufus buck and trudy smith it's the craziest thing when i spoke to jonathan before he said i didn't show up on set nat love did nat love did yeah you know um uh there was a scene where, where Jonathan Majors, Nat Love, rides at full gallop with no hands, shooting <laughs> his enemies on target. We had to keep up with him on the camera, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I think I shot it at like 48 frames per second to, to bring it slow-mo so we could just catch exactly what he's doing. And afterwards, I said, where did you learn to ride like that? He went, I can't ride. I can't ride at all. But Nat Love can. Right. Yep. And he just rolled off. I was like, watching this guy ride into the sunset, like, shit. Like, this guy's amazing. 
So they're not themselves when they when they come to set. And yeah. so really, I'm speaking to Trudy Smith and Rufus Buck, and I'm like, ah, oh, this is just too hard. So as a director, are because you know, in in my line of work, these are the moments that I look forward to most. You know, so as a director, do you have those moments? Do you look forward to shooting the big set piece more, or do you look forward to the sort of big emotional payoff scene more? Why do you think that is? And if you think it doesn't spoil the plot, do you want to touch on what moment in this film that was for you? Okay, the emotional uh, moment in the, in the film is like the the um, the final scene with, with um, uh, Nat Love and Rufus Buck. I think we, the, um, Idris cried, Jonathan Majors cried, and I cried. Um, and that scene is super, super emotional. And it's just a really um, uh, amazing scene and speaks to what, the soul of the of the film is but it's an interesting thing I never look forward to shooting one particular scene I look forward to shooting all of them every single scene I can't wait to get in and just start filming I want to go back on set tomorrow and shoot more the harder they the harder they fall like hey that's what I called it this morning I love that title yeah and so and so um uh, I, I'm, you know, I, I, like I said, I lead by excitement. So I really want to just go in there and and swag out. Give me the camera. The camera for me is like a flamethrower. <laughs> <laughs> let me uh, 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 let me just go in like Arnie. Yeah. <laughs> and and um, and, uh, and bring it all home. Like bring all of these ideas because they're all my favorite scenes, pretty much. So mm. bring all of these ideas that have been gestated in my head for over. a for like a decade or over a decade mm-hmm. to bring all of them to life and and um, give them to give them to the public. So I've got to wrap soon. So I want to touch on the harder they faller. Given the incredible cast of this film, the sequel would have to come just as correct. Any early ideas of what sort of talents actors you would want to work with? Could we start getting the Denzel and the harder they faller train going now or what, now, man? You see how you didn't ask if, if there's going to be a sequel. You just assume there's going to be a sequel. But well, I like it. Uh, yeah, yeah, man. Hey, like hey. Like, if I look, was in charge, it'd be green letter ready. So, for me, the harder they fall was always a broader, a broader um, tale. I always had, like, in my head, a prequel and a sequel uh, worked out. It was always like a, a broader tale. So, I, so if we do a sequel, I know exactly what I'm gonna do. And Tish is hard, hard, hard hard musically story-wise cinematically like hard so i can't wait sir i hope it works out for you you are a joy to talk to i think that joyousness translates to your filmmaking and your film the harder they fall it hits netflix on november 3rd in theaters october October. 22nd october 22nd sir james thank you for your joy in your film take care brother my brother peace to the god thank you very much thank you man take care All right, once again, thank you to Jonathan Majors and James Samuel for joining us. You know that I like to tell you all the truth about what I think about films on this podcast. That's why I'm apparently what seems to be the only person on Twitter who's not going apeshit about Dune. So you know I'm telling you the truth. The harder they fall rips. It's an absolute blast. Everybody in it is charismatic as hell. The action is awesome. It's it's vaguely Tarantino-esque in the way that it rewrites history. So check that out. Netflix, November 3rd. 
Also check out the podcast we put up last week. We spoke to Edgar Wright about Last Night in Soho and all the things that make his filmmaking so special. And we also talked to Zack Snyder about Army of Thieves, Rebel Moon, and more. All right, y'all. Talk to you Friday for Eternals. Peace.